Welcome to the Celebration Sessions podcast with me, Connor Clear. The Celebration Sessions is a podcast about life, loss and love. As a celebrant, I want to look at how we celebrate, how we fall in love, the milestones we mark and how we can talk about the inevitable loss we'll meet along the way. This is my exploration into the beauty of it all. And it's my reminder to make the most of the important times and how important it is now more than ever to celebrate. So thanks for joining me on the Celebration Sessions podcast. Hello there, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever, wherever it is uh, you are joining us. This is, of course, the Celebration Sessions podcast, and I'm very excited about this episode today because this is actually one of the first um, episodes in which that we're not doing it remotely. I'm actually here with my guest. Um, I'm on board the MS Road Admonson after a, a wonderful voyage across Antarctica and, and, and the Falkland Islands, and I'm currently in the bar, the Explorer Lounge, upstairs, deck 10, looking out um, over the horizon as we head back to Ushuaia uh, at the end of our journey. During this podcast, you will hear all of the comings and goings in the background, that the staff here are, 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 are doing a wonderful job keeping us all fed and watered, so you'll hear them in the background. It's important to say this is not uh, affiliated with Hurtigrut. My guest, Luciana, who's, who I'll introduce now in a moment, is here in his own spare time just to share his wisdom, um, which I'm really looking forward to, to chatting about. But it's not an ad and there's no affiliation and nothing, nothing to do with, with Hurtigrut, as wonderful as they are. Um, but look, enough of that. Let's bring in um, our guest for this episode. And I'm delighted uh, to be talking to our expedition guides uh, here with Hurtigrut. Um, and having looked at your social media, you describe yourself as a musician, a sportsman, and a, a self-proclaimed weirdo. But I yes. don't see that. <laughs> I don't see that in you. Seriously, you haven't seen me performing here without pants? <laughs> Luciano Galvez Matthias. Hello, how are you? Hola. Good day, dear Connor. Very, very <laughs> pleased and honoured to be in this uh, episode of this podcast. So thank you very much. I, I'm really honoured, actually, that, that that you said yes and and, and agreed to, to talk with me um, on this podcast because I know from some of the talks um, that I would have attended um, on board and even seeing it out and about um, on the landings as well. I mean, you've just been so super. Uh, thank and, you so much. And, and the talks that you've done on board um, have been so interesting. And I knew, I said... Luciano has to be on my podcast. So ah, thank, thank you, you so thank much you. Uh, for for chatting me, my chatting pleasure. chatting with me today. Um, where do we start? I mean, look, I get a real sense that you are very in tune with nature and and you know, you know the, the the world that we live in and the, the, the landscape that that we live in. Give me a little sense or a little overview of your journey from life in Chile. Uh huh. Uh, and, and your journey to becoming an expedition guide here with with Hurting Room. Well, I I started in the world of tourism when I was 16 years old. I was born and raised in the capital, Santiago. And when I was 15, we had to move because of life to Patagonia, southern Chile, in the fjords. And uh, I discovered tourism when I was 16, and I just happened to have a very good, a remarkable, maybe the finest English teacher I've ever, I've ever had. 
when I was in high school in Santiago, and she gave me the basics of the language. So then I used wow. that when I was in Puerto Natales, just picking up random tourists on the, the streets before Google Maps. I was trying to be their guide, like, hey, what can I help you with something? What do you want to find? Restaurants and stuff. Long story short, I ended up in a tourism van. Wow. Knowing nothing <laughs> about anything. Oh, really? In Torres del Paine National Park. That's the national park with the most astounding, the most breathtaking mountains and dramatic geography you will see, at the very least, in South America. So that was just by far the most beautiful place I had ever seen. Wow. I hadn't seen many places back then, but even today, <laughs> I've seen so many places. Torres del Paine is still right there. The thing, the thing is that I was able to communicate in English, but I was not very knowledgeable about anything. No, my worldview, my experience was just zero. No. Right, right. And uh, my boss had told me, don't worry, my, my guide just got to the job drunk. I need a replacement, <laughs> someone who, who just translate what the driver says. So I misinterpreted in my head a lot of what the driver said, and then I just regurgitated oh, wow. back to the tourists. Making so many mistakes that now I would just crawl into the shower in fetal position saying, I am sorry for that, but I had a lot of fun. And the guests had a lot of fun. They knew I was super super young, yeah, so they yeah, just yeah, flew yeah. with it. And I loved the experience of being a host. So how old were you then at that stage? I was 16. 16? Yes. Oh my word. Yes, but I loved it. Yeah. I loved being in front of an audience, charming them with, uh, with the charisma, with the stories, with the... Uh, I mean, being the host there and being their local guide was just fascinating to me. And I made money with that. I bought my first bicycle with that. Oh, wow. So I still have that bicycle, all rusty, <laughs> all rusty back home, but it's still there. Then uh, when I started to study languages in university, conference interpreting and translation, English, Spanish, and German, particularly German, because I knew that there was a potential there to make more money yeah, as a local yeah, guide. Yeah. So when I finished that major, I was offered a job in a cruise company called Australis Cruisers. Okay. And that was to navigate across the narrowest fjords of Tierra del Fuego, down to Cape Horn. Wow. The southernmost edge of the civilized world. Oh, my words. And uh, I, I was, I fell in love with the lifestyle, navigating, going across the fjords, the glaciers, the mountains, the fjords, the forests, subantarctic forests, the penguins, some whales here and there. And I was the host, I was the guide, I was trained by scientists uh, in that company to be a scientific communicator yeah, and a storyteller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I used all the tools that that major of translation and conference interpreting gave to me and I applied them in tourism, in guiding, in lecturing. And I realized since I was in high school already that I had a thing for public speaking. Indeed. And uh, long story short, I developed that along the years. I applied that to guiding and to lecturing. And I said to myself, I don't think I'm going back to land again, <laughs> to guide on land, to guide home. And if I do go home to guide, it will be with my own company. You're staying so, on the sea. Yeah, but I'm staying so far in the sea. And then because of reasons, life, friends I met in Germany when I when I had the chance of living there uh, from this company, Hutturitu, 
we compared jobs and we were like, we do something very similar. Wonderful, then two will see each other again. And suddenly, when I was having some issues with Australis, uh, my friend called me and she said, Luciano, do you, would you like to work in the Antarctic? Oh and I was my like, words. Uh, what do you need? <laughs> Someone like you. Someone who speaks English and German. Someone who can interpret lectures from English into German. And someone who can lecture in German for German-speaking yeah, yeah, guests yeah. about glaciers, about history, about penguins and stuff. And I'm, I said, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Just, <laughs> I will send you the, 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 my curriculum. They gave me an interview. And long story short, this is my sixth season with wow. the company. Wow. Well, look, I have to say, and in all sincerity, your, your passion for what you do really comes across and, and really shines through. As you talk, I'm actually struck by the synchronicity. And it's something that comes up when I chat to people in this podcast quite often. It's the synchronicity. It's the idea that, you know, that first tour, that first guide when you were 16 just happened because somebody was drunk and they needed somebody. That moment years later where you're having whatever issues it is that you're having with one company that you get a phone call from another company guiding you into the next chapter of, yes. of, of your journey through life I, I think that's fascinating and I, I think it's a, it's a combination between a bit of luck because of being at the right place at the right time but when opportunity arises you need to be ready with years of focus and discipline Indeed. and having developing the skills to take advantage of those opportunities because opportunities come and go. Everyone once in a while has like <laughs> so everyone we, we, has we, a lifestyle. <laughs> we will just say again, I said at the start, we will just say again, we are on a moving ship yes. <laughs> at the moment. You can hear the creaking um, as we sail back towards Ushuaia and uh, we're up in the, the beautiful Explorer Lounge here on, on Roll Admonson. Uh, and you can hear the, the action in, in the background as we yes, sail yes. across the sea. But sorry, to, to, just to go back then, do continue. Yes. Because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of the opportunities that present themselves once in a lifetime. And it's a matter of how much you had prepared yourself, you prepared yourself before that. Mm. How much discipline, commitment you have devoted to your own craft. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that when the opportunity arises, you not only have the courage to say, I will take on it but also you're fully prepared. Because, because if you don't have the courage or you're not prepared, you will not be able to take that shot. So you had the courage. And when you, I was 16, you, and yeah. then when I was in the cruise industry for the first time, and then for Hutu which are the, like the heavyweights oh, yeah. of guiding, yeah. polar guiding in the Antarctica. Yeah. Sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you have to be prepared. So I'm, I'm really, really prepared. Yes, I was. Yeah. I, I've always taken pride on my commitment and my discipline. So whenever I have a goal, I, I just I go narrow, narrow focused to okay. How do I get from point A to point B? Yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. matter what I have to do. If I have to stop seeing my friends, if I don't, if I have to stop partying or drinking or whatever for months and months, I will go do it because it is a delayed gratification. Indeed. What gets you to your objectives. Indeed, indeed. Saying bye-bye to the pleasures of the moment because you have a vision. And that vision is what will keep you on in the right line. And it takes a tough discipline, I imagine yes. then. 
Yes, the world is full of pleasures. I love pleasures, <laughs> but I know when to say yes and know when to say no for a, for a greater good. Am I right in saying you would take inspiration, in fact, from explorers oh, who yes. have gone before you? Definitely. Yeah. And that's what connects me with my job as a historian and storyteller Indeed. so much. Because I've always been about that mindset that I just described. And who better in real life, I'm not talking about Superman, I'm not talking about Batman or any comic book hero. I'm, I'm speaking about real life superheroes who went against the impossible to achieve the impossible and make it happen before anyone else could think it could be done. Now, this is a leading question because I know the answer. Who is your 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 ultimate iconic explorer that, that, that you take ultimate. inspiration from? Okay, I have to mention a few honorable mentions because, <laughs> because there's no way I can just stay with one. You can't just name one. I can't just name one. Um, the Irish Tom Crean oh, wow. is by far one of my favorite. Oh, Luciana. Shackleton, yes. Of course, yeah. The, the man who brought Crean for the second time to the Antarctic and uh, one of the final men, one of the last men standing was Shackleton, Captain Worsley and Crean in his unbelievable Antarctic survival adventure. Uh, then I would have Roald Amundsen. Indeed. The most accomplished Indeed. polar explorer in history. Whether you love him or hate him, at least at, explore at exploring he was the best, the very best. Scott, because of his, his, how do you, how do you explain his gentlemanly way of doing things? Like, doesn't matter if you lost or you lost or you're going to die in a day from now, you take the L with honor. Indeed. Yeah. The way almost no one does. And that was, that today, was Scott. That was Scott. He's like the man I've, whose manners I go for. It's like, you have to live and die a gentleman. Wow. Even, uh, in, even in the face of death. Even in the yeah. face of death. Yeah. It's like we all love heroic stories of heroes who die for a greater good. Scott was that hero in the heroic age of Antarctic exploration. And then I have to go for my very favorite one. On our way, James Cook as well is a remarkable one. Uh, but my very favorite one is Ferdinand Magellan. Indeed. And yes. in fact, that's what I've surprised me to say Tom Crean because I was expecting you to say Magellan. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Tom Crean is by far an honorable, honorable mention, one of the highest. But to me, hands, hands down, Ferdinand Magellan, the first man who almost circumnavigated the world for the first time. But he was the one behind the expedition, the one in front of the expedition, the one who organized the expedition in 1519. So that was going to be my next question. He, I mean, when you talk about your... Tom Crean's and your Roald Amundsen's, you're talking about, you know, the 1900s. Magellan was a good 400 years before that. Exactly. Yeah. And he circumnavigated the planet almost entirely. Had he not just died, oh, spoiler alert, <laughs> he, uh, he died in the Philippines before circumnavigating completely. But the things, the challenges he had to go through, I mean, if you could speak about Shackleton, Crean, Amundsen, Scott, at the very least, they were beloved by their men. Yeah, yeah. They were followed by their men no matter what. 
with a couple of exceptions here and there, of course. Well, but, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, he, I mean, Shackleton almost shoot one of his own men, but long, long story short, they were supported by the men, they were loved by their countrymen, and their governments were like, yeah, go for it. You, you're, you're with our flag. You will reach, you will put our flag at the top of uh, the pinnacle of glory. But Ferdinand Magellan was a Portuguese sailor, captain, warrior. Uh, he had fought for the Portuguese crown for, in several battles. Uh, he almost lost his life several times fighting for the Portuguese crown. Mm. He crossed the Cape of Good Hope, what we know, oh no, the Cape of Storms back then, not today, not today as the Cape of Good Hope. not twice but four times oh that was word. the most badass move of a sailor back then that is badass <laughs> it is on a sailing wooden boat you know and uh when he went to propose his expedition his finest expedition to find another way to the indies for mm. trade for trade when he went to portugal to the portuguese crown with that plan in hand the portuguese king just rejected him mercilessly he was like, no, you're too old. No, I don't like you. No, I already have a route. I don't need it. So, piss off. Yeah, kind of. Essentially. <laughs> essentially, piss off. Uh, and Magellan said with his pride, he knew how good he was and he was going to stop before. He was nothing. He was not going to let anything to stop him. He's, he asked the king, may I offer my services to another crown, which was back then considered treason. Oh, my words. Worthy of death in the eyes of many. And the king said, nah, whatever, go ahead. <laughs> uh, he was okay with it. He was okay with it. And so Magellan, on his, on the back of his horse, he in broad daylight just crossed the border and everyone just pointed at him with the finger, you traitor, you will regret this. Oh, my words. He went to the Spanish crown, which was the deadliest rivalry they had, rivalry they had with Portugal, it was a Spanish crown, and they were fighting for the spices routes, the the trade routes. Of course, Portugal already had one, the the Cape of Good Hope, and Spain was desperate to compete. So the king said, all right, let's find another route. Find that straight that you're talking about, that many have tried, but you are the one who will get it done. Imagine a Portuguese guy back then leading the most expensive and the most daring expedition so far attempted at the head of the Spanish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like today the United States wants to launch a, a rocket, a spaceship to Mars with a Russian head of the expedition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Do not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, number one, it's not going to happen. And number two, some people would like to kill him. <laughs> and indeed, Magellan wanted to be killed by his own captains. It was fi- it was five ships. Five ships with 244 or 42 men, roughly. Half of them were Spanish. All the captains of the other ships were Spanish only a handful Portuguese so they wanted to kill him since the first day and when they finally had the courage to attempt mutiny Magellan with his with his cunning with his with his mental grappling he forced some of his men 
who were Portuguese loyal to him to take control of a third ship because it was three ships against two. This was down in Patagonia, but like plain winter, everyone was sick of Magellan. He was like a dictator to every one of them. Uh, so they wanted they wanted him dead. Uh, they, they wanted him dead and they mutinied against him. And Magellan was smart, smart enough to move his handful of men, take control of a third ship. So now there were three ships against two and he managed to get the whole control of them in the moment, for example, let's just give you, let me give you an example. They sent him an ultimatum on a letter. Either you give up the control of yeah, the decisions yeah. or we kill you. He's, he did not send a letter back. He sent a sharp knife with skilled assassins. So he managed oh, to overthrow words. the rebellion, the mutiny, the open mutiny. Yeah, and he yeah, executed yeah. the main leaders of that mutiny in the most medieval, gruesome, oh, gruesome ways seen back then. And when they were dead, he was like, <clears throat> would anyone like to challenge me? From now on? It was a real quick no. <laughs> it was a real quick no. It was silence. It was just silence. Would anyone else like to rebel? No. We keep moving forward. And they found the strait, and then they had to cross the biggest ocean. This, this was the Strait of Magellan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The biggest ocean ever found, the Pacific Ocean, now known as the Pacific Ocean, and scurvy was as lethal as hunger. Oh, my word. Okay. At first, they fought each other for the rats. They were willing to kill each other for the rats on board. So they started to die a lot until they reached the Philippines. And the Philippines... That's where, unfortunately, Magellan died fighting against the Indians, oh, against the natives. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, with one single ship out of five and 18 men, they made it back to Spain. Three years, almost four years after they had departed. Wow. And it was that iron wheel of Magellan that, against everyone, he almost pulled it off. Almost. 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 So, so near yet so far. And you know, as I've, I'm... I'm in, I'm in this story now. You've just dragged me into this uh, story. You see, there you go. Your passion and your your knowledge for this. Thank you. But it's I'm struck by the courage one that it would have taken to mount, you know, the biggest and most ambitious project of the time. About fifteen times longer than the voyage of Columbus. Oh wow, okay. So imagine that. Back then Columbus was like, wow, the one who just had the courage to go the other side, this was fifteen times longer. But I, I'm I'm thinking of it within the context of modern day. You know, your Elon Musk and your yes. Jeff Bezos and they all want to they all want to go to Mars, they all want to send rockets up into into space. But they're all just rich kids. Yeah. Sorry, we still have the action going on in the background behind us there. Um, but they're all just rich kids with money to, to throw it. And the brains. Oh, oh, and okay, we'll give them that, yeah. But, you know, Magellan was not a wealthy person. Um, as we get into the 1900s and, and you're talking about Roald Abmanson and Fritjof Nansen, they weren't wealthy people per se. Not necessarily. Actually, one of the reasons why Shackleton attempted the crossing of the Antarctic continent of food was money. Mm. Glory, fame, and the money that would come with it were the two. Mm. So it was their goal as well. It's wild. It's, it's, it's just wild. Tell me this. Um, let's just 
loop back because I know we could talk for hours. I've attended your, your, your talks uh, about different aspects of of the age of exploration and, and, and indeed some of the different um, some of the different explorers as well. So I think that might be its own dedicated podcast yeah. that, that could happen sometime. Maybe when we're off the boat, we can reconnect and and, uh-huh. and, and do a remote episode. I think. Um, but just to bring it back to this boat, because you mentioned Roll Admonson, and it's so special I think for me to have done this trip and this voyage uh, on a ship named after uh, uh, the very person who was the first to get here in the first place to the South Pole yes Um, so so just being here and on this ship has been very special but of course the celebrant in me Yes. Being a being a wedding celebrant loves the idea that there might be weddings taking place uh, mm. on on this ship. Now, uh, and again, from looking at your your social media, I, I know you are a musician, so you would have taken part in in some weddings uh, on board this ship over the years. Yes, I I have had the pleasure and the honor to be present in such crucial life moment of a couple of. Guests. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yes, it, it answers to the the old romantic uh, idea or tradition that if you're on a ship, the captain has the authority to marry you. Yeah. <laughs> Even though in modern days it's also symbolically, but the tradition is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the first time I was asked to play was one year BC, one year. Before COVID, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, we're going with BC for that reason. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I just love that the way of referring <laughs> to time now. Uh, and it was 2019, and I happened to, since I'm a kid, I happened to be a musician with, uh, with focus on uh, wind instruments, particularly Andean flutes. Oh wow! Okay. Like the pan flute and some other flutes yeah, that come yeah. with the Andean music, music from the Andes. And um, I can imitate with one of the flutes the traditional European flute. I can imitate, for example, the song of uh, Braveheart. Oh, wow. The, um, there's a scene in that film that is called The Secret Wedding. And it's William Wallace marrying his beloved wife. Indeed, indeed. In the indeed. dark. Only the two of them, with the priest, with under the the light of the moon, and it's just a very romantic, romantic scene with with the music. I I I once played that when I was a teenager, and I never forgot it. Yeah, yeah. With the yeah. same vibrato of the original, I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful, very beautiful. And uh, my boss asked me to play for a wedding in which the captain was going to be the priest. Or the, the symbolic priest. Indeed, the officiants, yeah. Exactly, yeah. and that was on a landing site. It was a sunny day in the Antarctic, and we went, the photographer, the expedition team leader, the captain, the uh, couple that uh, got married, and myself. So it was, it was a very private, secret well, that's very special. And I brought my pan flutes, I brought the other flute, and they asked me, all right, should be around two or three songs, you know, at the beginning of the entrance. Then, while they are giving their vows, and uh, then in the end, well, and I just played with my, with the ideas that I had, and I managed to match the tone of each moment, including that song of Braveheart, which they just recognized immediately. They were so happy, and I was so happy too. 
So that was the first time. And then I had two weddings this season. One before my break at the beginning of the Antarctic season, and then just a couple of days ago during indeed, this trip. Indeed. At the beginning of this of this trip. And um, it was on the bridge. Fantastic. It was on the bridge with the whole Antarctic landscape around us, with windows everywhere. There was a little cocktail, uh, some um, very fashionable biscuits, like something a very small but elegant ceremony. Indeed, indeed, and, indeed. Uh, again, I took my instruments. I was asked to do that because I've done it before, and I felt so good because the moment, if you're romantic or not, you will probably feel something. Like you will see the couple just embracing the love. Oh, absolutely. Um, embracing the moment and me being just a part of it at the side, just giving my little grain of sand to make it, to, to, to set up the tone of the moment. I find that fantastic. I can imagine it's more than a grain of sand, uh, Luciana. What you would bring to, 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 to a ceremony with, with, with your music is very special. Um, and, Thank it's, you. and any couple would be lucky to, 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 have, you, <laughs> to so have you play music. But I know as, as a celebrant, it's very special like for you yourself to be there, for me myself to be there and, and play that role in a ceremony for, for two people. It's beautiful and it's, yes, it's such yes. an honor. It's such you an honor. become part of that memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a guide, as a lecturer, as a host, yeah, I love staying in people's men memory for the good reasons, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, um, I love being part of that experience, enhancing that experience Indeed. so that the experience itself embraces the people and the guests who are right there in the middle. Indeed, and you've painted such a beautiful picture. It's one thing I, I would imagine on the bridge comes with its own honor. To, you know, to be able to get yes. married on the bridge comes with its own, yes. you know, honor, and that has its own little energy as an experience. But to actually set foot on Antarctica and have a ceremony there Ooh, that's a, is that's a different thing. Oh, it must be just wild. Yes, that, that's the little literal meaning of I will follow you or I will go with you to the last edge of the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, the Antarctic. Well, look, Luciana, we've, I, I know you're very busy. We could talk all day. Uh, we could talk for hours. I, I'll, what I'll do is I'll just do a, a quick wrap up by just saying thank you very much. And, and, uh, and not just for the podcast, but for to you and the team uh, on board MS Roald Abinson for making this voyage the most special experience. It's just been, it's been very special. It's been wonderful to have sailed around Antarctica to disembark and you, you've put on amazing landings. And I should actually just share with listeners, uh, and I, was it Neko Bay? Where were we? Where you built this? You built a staircase. You cut a staircase into the side of the Orn mountain, Harbor. Orn Harbor, so that we could, we as passengers, could climb to the top to, to see the wildlife at the top. I, I still, I think about that, and I can't get over it. I mean, <laughs> you dug a staircase into the mountains for us. Ah, uh, thank you so much. I mean, to be clear, not on the rock, on the snow. <laughs> oh, well, even still. <laughs> that would still, have taken a bit longer and still, bigger tools. It's no mean feat. It's no mean feat. So, look, I will wrap it up by saying thank you very much. 
it's, it's my it's, pleasure. It's it's been an absolute pleasure, and look, I look forward to connecting at some other stage. We can yeah, definitely talk definitely. for hours about our, our favorite explorers. And yes, because now that I've been on this cruise, I now have my own. Now favorite. you want to read the <laughs> yeah, books? I do, I do, I do. And there's that lovely phrase that keeps coming up on, on this cruise of stay curious. Yes. So I'm really connect with your inner explorer. Connect with your inner explorer. So I'm looking forward now to to getting back to Ireland and 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 continuing continuing to continuing to learn excellent thank you so much for the invitation it's been a blast not only this podcast but also this conversation this landings these excursions the experience of being here at the southernmost edge of the world where only a handful of people have the privilege to to, to see Indeed. with their own eyes Indeed. so thank you very much for taking your time for coming to this adventure and for trusting us the honor is ours luciano Thank you very much. And to you, the listener, thank you for joining us on the Celebration Sessions podcast. Mm-hmm.